name is Shandy Chernow, and you're listening to the Shandyland Podcast. I have with me today Katie Moreno, who I'm never going to pronounce her name as pretty as she does, so I'll let her redo that for you. She's a food allergy parent, and I understand there's some very exciting news on that front. Also, a lifelong salesperson and marketer, and turns out, pretty darn good writer. Katie, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me, Shandy. Now give me a masterclass on pronunciation. <laughs> you you could you could say Moreno. There you go. See, it sounds so much better when you do it. And I'm not even going to embarrass myself by trying. So uh, you are a food allergy parent. You have a son who uh, started out with an egg allergy, right? Tell me, tell me the journey. Don't give me the good news yet. Absolutely. Um, so my oldest son was diagnosed officially with a food allergy when he was 11 months old. Um, it was one of those situations where this was around 2014 when they, um, suggested that you wait until hitting certain milestones before feeding your child mm-hmm. things like peanuts or eggs. And so after his one year checkup, I went ahead and introduced some scrambled eggs and he um, started having the red mouth, chattering teeth, something was just wrong. I don't have any previous experience with food allergies, so I had no idea what it was, um, but you know, followed by the typical vomiting and it was it was a traumatic experience. Um, but sure enough, after we had his blood test, it turned out he was allergic to not only eggs, but also peanuts and tree nuts. Um, and he's now eight. And he actually just had his egg challenge in clinic a couple of weeks ago and was able to pass no problem. Um, so he's officially no longer allergic to eggs, which is really exciting. <laughs> Thank you. So my it's- older son was allergic to eggs when he was little and he grew out of it earlier than your son. But to this day, he still will not enjoy an egg. He just oh, doesn't like them. And okay. egg, you, you know, you got to think that for, it was because for years, you know, he couldn't have them and they were a scary thing. Right. Right. But he'll so, eat them, but he's, he pouts about it. Okay. So we have actually the opposite experience because we, we definitely eat scrambled eggs. We make omelets almost every single morning. And so the very next day he said, does this mean I can have I can have scrambled eggs in the morning with everybody. So, and does he like it? Uh, he, yeah. Yeah. That's great. He loves it. So um, the, getting over that hurdle of no longer being allergic to eggs is just such a uh, relief because it's really one of the trickiest allergens to avoid. I mean, you don't know if egg is used as a wash on a croissant or obviously mm-hmm. in any kind of baked good birthday parties were Cocktails. not that that's really relevant hard. to an eight-year-old, but <laughs> yes. it's true, right? They do the, the foamy egg stuff to make. Cocktails Absolutely. Pretty. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, we are excited. We're doing a peanut challenge, hopefully in a few months. And so we'll see what pans out from that, which is interesting because he's never actually ever had a peanut. It's, it's, it's possible that his blood antibiotic body test was a false positive, yeah. but obviously we've avoided it all of this time. So we'll see if he can eat some peanut butter. Yeah. So he's never reacted on the peanut side. Every reaction has been egg related. Correct. Yeah. I I wish you all the luck in the world with that one, but let's go back to that, you know, first reaction when you found out about all this stuff, what did you do? How did you feel? What happened? 
I was completely, I mean, first of all, having your first child is just like, you're, you're blown out of the water, you know, you're sleep deprived. I didn't mm-hmm. have, neither of my children were good sleepers. So, um, I didn't know, I didn't know what to feed my kid anymore. And I had, I learned in a hurry how to read all of those ingredient labels on the back of every single food item, uh, in the grocery store. But then of course, when you go out to a restaurant, it's just like the wild west because you ask the server like, Hey, do you know if the bread for the sandwich has egg in it? And then that's, I think you refer to that as the telephone game shandy. Yeah. It's so annoying. Well, how long does that process typically take like 11 minutes for them to go back, ask somebody, then come back and give you perhaps probably the best you'll get is like a non-definitive answer of, he's pretty sure it doesn't have egg in it it's like you should be fine Ugh, the worst (laughs) the worst yeah so I mean but but I mean you've got an eight-year-old now granted I'm going to take you back to before the positive news of the egg challenge how do you teach him to have those conversations in the times that you're not with him he plays sports he goes to school he's going to friends houses how do you prepare him to kind of take care of himself when you can't be there or how that's did you? Good. I'm going to put it in past tense. How did you? That's a really good question. And, you know, it's like there's no manual for having children to begin with. Right. And I mean, I have two boys, but they couldn't be more different from each other. Me too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so in and I've actually have spoken to other food allergy parents who one in particular who comes to mind had a, a really um unfortunate experience where a food allergy did turn into a lot of anxiety, um, just based on my son's personality of, I mean, you know, he is the kind of kid who reminds me at night to, to set my alarm for the morning and to make sure that, you know, the, the light is red mom. So (laughs) I, um, I didn't need to necessarily look out for him because he had that all under wraps for me. It was really more kind of uh, downplaying it a little bit because I didn't want to play into kind of his, his stress or anxiety that he had around it. I mean, he's always been super responsible and letting people know that he has an egg allergy, which First is great. Kids, man, they're so different than the second ones. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah, no issue there whatsoever. Yeah. That's really nice. And that he, did you tell me that he's in an immersion program? He, yes, he, we are super fortunate in our school district. We have one elementary school that offers a two-way immersion program. Um, so half of his day is in Spanish and the other half is in English. Cool. So yes, now I have both of them in elementary school, which is great because they can just get on the bus together and no daycare pickups anymore. So, yeah. yeah. So, so he had that first egg reaction. You got him tested. You mentioned, you you know, the false positives, what, what potential false positives, what's been your kind of experience with the medical community, um, in handling your son's allergies, the pediatricians, any first responders or ER the allergists, how do you feel that you've been kind of provided the right care or the wrong care, or the right information or the right, wrong information? 
I always think it's interesting, right? Because so many, yeah. the variety is so vast. I think that's another really good question. And I'm going to be careful because I know from listening to other podcasts that your father is a physician. Yeah, <laughs> but that's okay. You're not going to insult him or me. <laughs> I would I would say in general, and not just based on my own son's experience, but my, my, my dad had a serious medical issue um, some years ago. I have, I mean, just in terms of really getting to a diagnosis in my own experience, um, I think we have a long, long ways to go. There were a couple of real big red flags that came up between my son being born and the time he was one year old. Um, he he had a issue at about four months old in which he would not want to nurse. He actually was losing hmm. weight. And, you know, you, you see images of, of mothers nursing their children, and that it looks like a really kind of nice experience. I was, um, I was experiencing an infant who was not happy. He would, I mean, literally blood curdling screams and pushing against me and just trying to feed him until I finally said, you know, you know what, this is not the experience I had in mind for my new baby and I, and we're just going to be done breastfeeding. And, and ultimately I was also just forced to start supplementing with formula because he wasn't, he wasn't gaining any weight, which is an issue when you're four months old. Um, and a little, actually around three months, I want to say he started to get really bad eczema, something that I also didn't have any experience with, but I mean, a face so red, let's just say, I mean, you're not gonna, I did not want to put any pictures on Facebook or share with the oh, wow. family of what he, it, it was um, not just like a rash, but literally um, Wisconsin winter doesn't help and like almost like wounds that were opening. And so between those two things, um, th- there's actually a super strong relationship between Eczema, eczema and food allergies, allergies yeah. as, as you know. And so in seeing a dermatologist, the pediatrician, you would have thought that maybe they would say, Hey, this is, this, this could be an indicator that this child has some food allergies. Let's get a blood antibiotic to test them. And yeah. obviously that didn't happen. Something um, you're eating, right? Right. And Probably then, eggs. <laughs> yes. And, and then it wasn't until actually a couple of months ago, I was reading a an article written by another food allergy parent. And she was talking about literally the same exact experience that I had with trying to breastfeed my son. And, um, and, and fortunately in her situation, she had a lactation consultant say, you know, do you have any food, a history of food allergies? And they had her, so they figured out, okay, it could be this. And through an elimination diet, they were able to kind of troubleshoot that. I mean, lo and behold, every single day of my maternity leave, I was eating scrambled eggs and peanut butter mm-hmm. toast. So, so, so it's so interesting. My, my older son, right. He, same one who had allergies when he was little, um, he was getting really bad rashes nursing. And the, the pediatrician did say, it's probably something that you're eating. So, you know, we need to kind of start right. It wasn't like, you know, terrible or life-threatening for him or anything, but so we just started writing down, but the problem was that I had, you'll appreciate this, 70 bags of frozen milk and no record of what I had eaten. Right. And I was so pissed. 
Yeah, they don't call it liquid gold for nothing. So pissed the day that that had to get thrown out. Oh, and you couldn't donate it even? Well, at that, I didn't know what I didn't know at that time, you know? Right. right. First time moms, you don't, you don't know anything. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, first time moms. You just don't. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know, but, but so frustrating to be in that situation. Yes. I can't imagine Shandy. Wow. Well, I mean, it just kind of is right. Like, but I mean, you were in the same place. You didn't have some different, different situation, but the same, right. You didn't have somebody to tell you, Hey, maybe this is related to something that you're putting in. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, when you go to the doctor and you go to these medical professionals, you're kind of expecting that they're going to be able to, to be that spirit guide. Um, and especially when you're living in a, in a really hazy world as a first time parent, it's just, totally. <laughs> I think we've, I think we do have a huge opportunity to do better. For, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So, I mean, I, th- this is exactly the reason I asked the question, right? Cause I, I, I really feel like that whole self-advocacy thing is super important, but one of the questions I oftentimes ask doctors and, you know, if you've listened to those episodes, you know, is how do we get the experience to be more consistent, more correct? Pediatricians, allergists, first responders, ER, right? I mean, even when you're in the middle of anaphylaxis, you go into the ER, depending who's there, you're going to get different treatment. Mm-hmm. Insane. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so that's, I agree with you. I feel like there's a big opportunity for improvement. Yes. There. And as a, as a parent, you, there's kind of this underlying layer of, of guilt Um, I, mine was exasperated because by about 12 or 13 months, I went to a grocery store and, you know, you do, you do what you can to get by on any given day. Mm -hmm. I bought a pre-made lasagna Yep. and I am, I am just like now wrapping my head around like cooking and like you know, it took me a while to get all of that stuff down. And I just felt so, so horrible. I just had no idea that egg noodle was a thing. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I just like, I had, I didn't, I thought it was like, it never would have crossed my mind that this lasagna contains egg because I'm like, it's pasta, you know? And sure enough, he woofed it down. It was delicious sauce all over his face, gave him a bath. And then before I know it, it's like hives. Mm-hmm. And that was the, that was the first time that we had to inject him with the EpiPen. Of course, I'm just like, don't do it too hard. And I didn't do it hard enough the first time. And you Jab really that bad boy in there. Jab <laughs> their chunky baby thigh. And yeah, it was um, in an expensive ER visit, but I was just like, man, why didn't anybody tell me egg noodle was a thing? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it, and it's so easy to make those, you know, I don't want to call it a misstep because you just don't know what you don't know. It's just, it's a confusing world. And especially when you're first starting to enter that. Um, so all of this food allergy parenting and these experiences that you had has led you to do quite a bit of, I'll go with advocacy. So tell me about, tell me about your efforts in that direction. Sure. So it was actually, well, how long has the COVID been going on now? Because I, I remember it by oh, um, half, two and a half years, something like that. I don't know. 20. Yeah. Almost two years now. So in 29, 
in 2020, let's see, March 20, March of 2020, um, I decided that you know, I just needed to do something because I continue to run in these same kinds of scenarios and restaurants where it's just kind of the blind leading the blind. We actually were in one situation where um, a serve, like, you know, we were in a kind of a fancy restaurant and they brought the basket of bread while you wait. To make matters worse with my son's egg allergy, like he just totally loves carbs. Like he would eat a basket of crackers and bread and donuts if you'd let him. Um, so they bring this basket of bread and it's like, now he's salivating over this basket of bread. And we're like, um, can you tell us if, if this egg, if this bread has egg in it? And she's like, sure, let me go check. And so then legitimately, like the manager comes over and he's like, yeah, so we don't know if this bread has egg in it because they just, um, we get it from our supplier and they deliver it in a clear bag. And I'm just, we're both just looking at them like, how is this you can't tell us what's in the food that you just put on our table and it's like it's just how is Super I don't common get it. experience by the way <laughs> specifically with bread it seems that anytime there's not anytime I don't want to paint with that broad of a brush but frequently when there's um bread brought in from a local commercial bakery the the ingredient information is often not there mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah 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 so so I just more to, difficult like, to hunt down. Right. It, it was, it felt like I was banging my head against the wall and I would try mm -hmm. to like talk to the owners or the managers and I would try to be, you know, nice about it. Yeah. Um, but also just like from a place of, Hey, this would really be a good idea if you did this. And I mean, let's face it, these people are, they're really busy. And that was before COVID happened. Um, so I did a little bit of research and I, I found a few people who were doing food allergy awareness advocacy, and one of them gave me a little bit of coaching, and I said, hey, this is what I'm thinking. It was kind of just like a one-to-one, -one, like, direct approach to help restaurants, like, make this better, and um, this one in particular, she said, think bigger. She's like, go to your local representatives. And so um, I started working with our mayor and he got me in touch with our state representative. And unfortunately the response that we received was really just like laughable, um, just like so disappointing that that is what I got from one of my state representatives. Um, I happen to have the email here. It says, unfortunately, it is not a possibility for the near future to actually require all restaurants to list all ingredients for all dishes on their menus. Many restaurants make their dishes with outside packaged ingredients that are not required to label every item. And secondly, some, this is the part that makes me laugh. Some restaurants have specialty sauces or other items they're not going to list ingredients for since uh, other restaurants could steal the specialty. So it's just it's us, like, yeah. well, public health be damned, you know, we're not going to give away the, the recipe to our secret sauce. Well, um, that's, that's why we built Certistar the way we did, right? Because we didn't want that problem. So we never yeah. reveal kind of the totality of the ingredients, only if a specific thing is included in there. Right. But so, so with that experience, if you could if you could talk to every restaurant owner and executive in the country and give them ways that, that they could make the experience of dining out more inclusive for everybody, what would that be? I mean, obviously 
you know, not so subtle pitch. Everybody should use stir to start outside of that. What would you say? Right. So another great question, Shandy. I mean, the thing, the thing of it is we could make a law around this, but then like, we all know how that works. I mean, we want to sell our restaurants on the, on the idea of being more inclusive, but not just because it's the right thing to do, but because it's, it, it would, it's, there's a great economic benefit to it. If you look at my consumer habits as a family impacted by food allergies, there are only a handful of places that we go within a 10 to 20 mile radius, because I know that my son can eat X, Y, or Z there. Mm -hmm. And so that just, it's like, okay, so for the restaurants that are sharing information with us, and I'm not asking you to give me the recipe to your secret sauce. Like all I'm asking is similar to a grocery store experience. Like, Hey, just so you know, it has soy and wheat, two of the top nine ingredients as recognized by the FDA. Like that's, you may, as in your situation, like you're allergic to kind of an odd one of, of pork. But I mean, the, generally you have people who are, a lot of people who are allergic to these top nine things, 40% of them, which are allergic to more than one of those, mm-hmm. of those allergens. So yeah, it would absolutely be inclusivity because we're not just talking about food allergies, but it's people with temporary or chronic health conditions. There may be a reason why you can't eat one thing or another. It could be somebody with a religious belief who follows a halal or, or kosher diet. Mm -hmm. Um, or maybe just somebody who doesn't like olives, like they should be able to know that this dish has that in it. Um, and there's a lot of different ways that you could go at that. Like whether you want to get really into the nitty gritty and using something like like the technology that CertStar offers, um, so that you have like seasonal employees who, maybe don't understand the ins and outs of everything very well, but it's like, okay, all I have to do is push this button and it'll give me the direct answer. Like a term that I love that we use is it's, it's all, it's a data, it's a data problem. And so with our restaurants being like understaffed, overworked, if we were to actually try and solve these issues of inclusivity, it also frees up a lot of this busyness that they're, that they're pulled into. Um, so like if you were to look at a pastry or a gelato case in any local restaurant, mm-hmm. let's say you walk in there and you see like all of these different flavors, how difficult would it be just to include a little symbol underneath each one and have the key at the bottom hey, this means soy, this means wheat, versus me being like, hey, excuse me, manager, you know, like being a pain in the butt and saying, hey, could you, and then, oh, let me go get the book. And so they go get the book and then, you know, you're trying to look at the book and then trying to follow the lines of the matrix that they have. And it's like, let's just skip to the chase, you know? Um, it's I like mean, talking I would- to myself in some of these points. I love it. <laughs> Um, I mean, I, I could share so much with you. I don't know how, tell me, how much time you set aside for me, but like incorporating a symbol system, a symbol system into a menu would eliminate uh, like that 15 minute revolving process of, let me go check. Let me come back. Let me go look. Where's the book? Um, and then, you know, you could also do things like completely just 
because here's the thing, food allergy people, they really feel bad. I think that they always feel like they're being an inconvenience. And so how would it be if instead of you coming to my service, hi, I'm Shandy, I'll be your server today. Um, instead of asking me like, what drinks can I get started? What, are there any food allergies I should be aware of? Yeah. Like, how would that change? Or dietary like, restrictions to your point. Yeah. Right. How would that change the way you're feeling about that dining experience? You know, you're going in, you're nervous. You're wondering if the server you're going to get is going to have any idea about what the things you need. Um, I just think that there's a lot of opportunity. There's a specific story about this that I love. Um, it's a restaurant in Europe. It's called Waga Mama. Have you heard of it? Mm -mm. Okay, so it's kind of like a Asian cuisine place. And this is a story that I received secondhand from another food allergy friend of mine. But she said that when they're informed of a, of a food allergy, they'll put a big A on your placemat and they'll say A is for awesome. But as we know, it's, it stands for allergy. And so that way for whoever ends up running the food, they know that that specific dish goes to that person. But I love how it just kind of changes the scenario of you know, feeling like I'm a burden to, oh, okay, now I'm actually feeling special and, and you just kind of made this, this hindrance into like a fun thing. Um, so I, I think that those are just a few things that we could do. Um, obviously, if we want to get into the nitty gritty, I mean, there's... Well, I mean, I think that, I think there's good advice there and you've written several articles with regard to exactly these things, which people can find on Medium, best best place yes. to okay. Yes, you can follow me on Medium. So, bringing me to things that I wanted to talk about, also in addition to food allergies, you've written some other articles off topic from food allergy stuff, which I was like, oh gosh, like these are things that I need in my life. <laughs> you did one on decluttering. You did one on nutritional habits, like we got to talk about the decluttering. You, you literally are like, all right, I did the Marie Kondo thing and here's how it worked out for me. Tell yes. us about it because that's one that I kind of peek over the snowbank at and go, Ooh, like I need that, but I don't want to do it. Yeah. So it's funny because I mean, I have never really considered myself a blogger, but I guess, and to go back, because you were asking me like, how did I get started with all this advocacy stuff? When I got that response from a state representative, I was like, so disenchanted. Then COVID happened. So then it was like, we weren't going to restaurants at all. And then I, we started to go back out again, running the same issues. And I said to my husband one day, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna write a book. <laughs> and he's okay. I'm like, yeah, you know, it doesn't have to, actually it could be a short book, but I'm just gonna write about all these things because I need people to know. And so. I started writing this book and then I realized that it's a little, it's a little challenging to get a book published. Yeah. And so then like, you know, why don't we just like put it on a blog? And so that's been helpful just to dose out small amounts of information. Um, and so I, no, I completely lost track of what I was talking about. Marie Kondo decluttering. Oh yeah. Yeah. So then, um, I was writing about these food allergy related things, but then as long as I had the blog going, I was yeah. like, Ooh, I really like to write about this thing. And 
Did you do it? Do you open drawers and think, does this bring me joy and throw it out or donate it if it doesn't? Yes, I do. How do you come to that decision? I'm like, you know, some days this thing brings me joy. Some days I don't know that it does. And I'm not sure how I feel about it. And so I put it back in the drawer and my clutter goes nowhere. Right. Yeah. I mean, so I've kind of been preaching this philosophy to my mother and my sister for a long time. And like when they, because they are more decisive, I'm really just kind of like all or nothing. If you don't use it, I want it out of here. And so when I found Marie Kondo's book, I obviously devoured it. And then I was like, it was just kind of giving language to something that I was already practicing. But now I just had the tools to like more diligently follow the steps. So how do you get somebody to, this is me. How do you get somebody to practice it who doesn't? Like, I'm I'm not like a hoarder, but I don't like throwing things away in case one day maybe they will bring me joy. Okay. Yeah. Now I feel like I'm having a conversation with my sister. (laughs) (laughs) Good. What's the advice? How'd you get her to throw something out? So the thing is, by the time you save that thing, and if indeed one day you do end up needing that thing, where in the heck did that thing go? Like you can just go out to Target and buy that thing if and when you need it. And in the meantime, don't spend time or energy or space on saving that thing. I think it's really important for all of us to remember that we just can't take stuff with us um, wherever we end up going after this podcast. All right, I'm going to pick a drawer and start at some point today. How's yeah. that? So do it. Tell- I want to see the picture before and after pictures too, Shandy. Totally not going to happen. <laughs> If for no other reason than that I'm embarrassed about the befores. So tell everybody where they can find these great articles and how they can connect with you online. Sure. I would love to connect with anybody through LinkedIn. You can find me at Katie Moreno. And you can also follow me on Medium. And I look forward to trying to figure out how we can keep the conversation moving forward and helping our small and local businesses and um, helping helping our food minority groups. All right. So then I like to end all the episodes with two truths and a lie. So you're going to give us three facts about you and don't tell us which one is not the fact. Sure. Okay. Well, I kind of already gave one of them away. So happens to everybody. It's okay. Um, (laughs) I am a lefty and... I am a spinning instructor, and I once traveled from Croatia to Mexico City with two connecting flights in between, making a total of four separate flight safety announcements in four different languages, all within the span of 24 hours. (laughs) Two shorties and a long. I like it. I have no idea which one may or may not be true. Uh, If you're interested to find out which is Katie's lie, please come talk to us on your favorite social media platform. Thank you so much for being here, Katie. I appreciate it. I know that everyone loves hearing, you know, the experiences that they can relate to, and we certainly accomplished that today. So thank you for that. Uh, As always, this has been the Shandyland podcast, and we'll talk to you soon. 